1-800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We told you earlier, Kevin Dietz and myself, about the many shootings over the past weekend that occurred. Well, let's hone in on the largest one. Really pay attention to what happened in Buffalo, New York, Kevin. This was tragic. Ten people were killed, and they are saying already this is a racially motivated attack. Yeah, it can happen anywhere at any time. This weekend, it was at a grocery store where families were shopping when an 18-year-old gunman, heavily armed, wearing tactical gear, came in reportedly looking to kill as many African-Americans as possible. Join us now is WJR Senior News Analyst Chris Renwick. Uh, good morning, fellas. It all happened at around 2.30 Saturday afternoon. That's when police say the 18-year-old suspected shooter from Conklin, New York, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive to Buffalo, opened fire at a Topps grocery store in a predominantly black neighborhood, killing 10 people and injuring an additional three. Authorities say when the shooter arrived at the store around 2.30, he was heavily armed, wearing tactical gear, a helmet, had a camera that was live-streaming his actions on Twitch. And according to Erie County District Attorney John Flynn, he used an assault weapon in the massacre. Police say the shooter shot four people outside the grocery store, three fatally. Then he went in, exchanged fire with an armed security guard uh, who was a former Buffalo police officer, now retired. That security officer died from his injuries. Now the suspect then won on another shooting spree inside, shot eight more people, six of whom died. Erie County Sheriff John Garcia called the incident pure evil and said, the shooting is a straight-up racially motivated hate crime from somebody outside of the community. Now, during a press conference Saturday following the shooting, police said they had evidence to believe that the shooting was racially motivated, pointing to a roughly 180-page manifesto that the shooter had wrote and posted, which included a plan for the attack before the shooting. In that same document, the shooter allegedly wrote that he identifies as a white supremacist and he was fearing that white people were being process, were in the process of being replaced by people of other races. Uh, fellas, 11 of the victims in the attack are black. Two of them are white, according to authorities. The shooter was charged with first-degree murder and pleaded not guilty on Saturday evening. And apparently he was there the day before. He was seen talking to people the day before, possibly scouting, scouting out. Out, out the yeah. situation. Uh, unbelievable. These uh, Now this live streaming, I mean, you'd never imagine that we get to a point where people want to live stream their crimes, but that's where we're at. Yes, it is where we're at. We are seeing a lot of these these streaming platforms. They, they try, I think they are really trying to catch things like this early on. You remember people are going on Facebook Live and, and they would be up like they weren't being taken down at all. So a lot of these platforms are making a more conscious effort in the algorithm. If there is something disturbing that's being shown, they are trying to take it down as quick as possible. That was taken down in, I think, two hours. The scary part is when you don't see uh, obvious signs, and maybe people knew him the best, saw these signs earlier. This guy, the, the one thing that was, uh, I think, critical, maybe is going to get more uh, scrutiny, is earlier in the year, uh, last year, June 2021, he yep. was taken, basically, he was hospitalized by New York State Police. Mm-hmm and said, listen, we've got to give you a mental evaluation because you made a threat to one of the students at your high school. Yep. It was taken seriously at the time, but beyond that, there was no other evidence. I mean, even when you bought the gun, the background check was clean. Mm-hmm. So other than that one statement, which was serious in and of itself, there wasn't a whole lot to hold this guy back from eventually doing what he did on Saturday. So so there's there's something else we're missing in determining how to deal with these issues. Well, I think that, that there always needs to be uh, I want to choose my words carefully here. There always needs to, you always need to revisit cases like this and find out what happened. 
just like you would need to revisit a situation like Oxford. Figure out what happened. What are the loopholes? What did what did the what was the runaround for the shooter? And then go from there to prevent something like this from happening again. I, I think that the, that what we have to learn from this perhaps is if there is a threat being made, whether it's credible or not. What should that? Per, what are the ramifications for mm-hmm. somebody being able to go buy a firearm in the in the future? Right. I, it's a question mm-hmm. that folks above my head will have to answer. Yep. I covered a case once. It was a threat against a school, and they found out that this uh, young man uh, was um, he was uh, using his his uh, father's guns target practice in the backyard, mm-hmm. and he had this massive plan uh, to attack a local school. And uh, luckily, they found out about this beforehand, uh, and they went and they went and they charged him. But he hadn't really committed a crime. It was tough. So the federal prosecutors sort of crafted, found a crime, found a crime that fit so that he could at least be on probation for one year so that he would have to check in with a probation officer on a monthly basis. And they took the guns out of the home, but the the dad wanted the guns back. They were his. Sure, his guns. And the dad has rights. He didn't do anything wrong. And the kid actually was pretty much covered under free speech. They interceded early, which was good, which is what you want to do to prevent that. But they had this situation. Well, how long can you make somebody report if they hadn't committed a crime? So they did They did charge him with a, with a, a low crime that required him to report for 12 months. And I thought that was good that the prosecutors worked hard to try and find something because they were seriously concerned about the mental health of this person. Sure. And, and, and aside from the mental health issues, which are issues in a lot of these cases. We saw it here. We've seen it in in, in the Oxford shooting, and uh, unfortunately the list goes on. But it, until these threats are being taken seriously, I, I don't know how much of this can be done. And, and I am of the belief that bad guys will get will find a way to do bad things. They bad always people will. people will do they bad things. And, yeah. and in this case, thankfully... There was some intervention, and they they were able to get ahead of it before anything catastrophic happened. But in this case, there is nothing on his record that would indicate he shouldn't be able to buy a gun. And he went in, bought a gun, and and now we're here. Yeah. I just I, I'm of the belief that if you are if you are a if somebody who has nefarious thoughts, you, you'll find a well, way to carry it. Right, on. because it happens every day in this country, anyways. In major cities across the country, multiple people are killed. Uh, we saw that over this past weekend, not just in Buffalo, New York, but we saw it. We saw shootings here in Detroit. We see it in Chicago. We see it everywhere. So that core issue of whatever the hatred is for your fellow human being, that's probably never going to be fully resolved in our society, right? Because as far back as we go, there's always been murder. There's always mm-hmm. been killings. But how do we protect people from it happening, you know, to our loved ones? That's a question we just continue to battle and try, continue to try to find There's an answer a difference to. between bad people, though, and sick people, mentally ill Absolutely. people. And if there's a yes. way to intercede somewhere in there, and you can't, you hate to impede on people's rights to free speech either, but if you see things online, if you could get people a little time out and maybe take their guns away from them for a week yeah. or two, uh, a cooling down sort of period if you can. I don't know that if it would work, but we have to keep searching for ideas. Yep. Have to, yes. I, I, I mean, this person had very skewed thoughts of yes. the world. I mean, he, he was a very hateful, spiteful, really disgusting thoughts, yep. which leads to something like this. I, I, I think you're right. What is... 
we have to make sure that we learn from these things. Yep. Because until we do, and, and I heard Karen McDonald on Paul this, this morning mm-hmm. talking about the, the, the commissions that have been commissioned and, and the, the studies that have been done to try to alert school districts in this case, in that particular case, to what, what are the protocols that should be followed. Something I think will, will have to be looked at from a from a commission level, from a from a an expert level on how to prevent things like this from happening. Yeah. You, you can't put you can't put uh, you know gun de- or metal detectors in the front of every door in America, right? Like you can't do that. No. But there has to be another way to try to prevent these things. Yeah, and this comes down to the difference being between most murders and this one is that this was a guy that was just was targeting a general group of people that Correct. he didn't like their certain characteristics that are inherent to the way they were born. Sure. And that is a difference between a, maybe a murder that happens in Detroit or Chicago where there's a different type of motive. Anyway, it's going to keep asking the questions. Chris Romo, we appreciate your uh, reporting on this. Thanks. You got it, fellas. More to come. Your, your calls, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR.